Welcome to the Collection of Journeys podcast, where we explore the stories of everyday people who have had their lives changed by the blissful and therapeutic qualities of jhana meditation. In this episode, we talk to Zach Lausanne, a Google engineer and novice meditator with less than 100 hours of meditation experience. Zach recently learned the first five jhanas on a journey retreat. He shares how the jhanas have changed his worldview, changed his relationship to hard things, and unlocked personality change in what he describes as self-therapy. He has me tear up as he describes how he used the jhanas to finally process the suicide of his best friend after seven years of unsuccessful therapy. I think you'll find many of his tips and ideas, like how he welcomes distractions in meditation, counterintuitive, articulate, and inspiring. Well, welcome, Zach. We've been looking forward to speaking. You and I met on the most recent journey retreat, where I know you had some jhana experiences, and I've been looking forward to getting to chat to you a bit more about those, how things have gone since the retreat, and um, hear a little bit about your backstory and how you got into this in the first place. Yeah, I've been looking forward to this, excited about chat about everything. Why don't we start with jumping right in to the, we can take either a palpable jhana experience that you had or the first jhana experience that you had, maybe the most surprising, and give us a little bit of a play-by-play. What was that? Yeah, let's see. Yeah, I'll go, I'll describe one of my earlier jhana experiences during the first couple of days of the retreat. This sort of blends together in my memory, something that I think is a common experience on retreat or time sort of melts and <laughs> the experiences uh, become more fluid. Totally. But, During the retreat, it's every day is two days long and yeah. the morning is wildly different from the afternoon. And yeah. uh, after retreat, it's all just one big pile of mushy memory. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I would. Yeah, the meditation would start with sitting down and working up a feeling of you know, loving kindness in my heart. I think of my cat or my grandmother or a dear friend of mine. And I would just bring my attention like to my heart and feel like that sort of like softness there when you're when you're thinking of someone you wish really well. And and I would as I would distractions would come up and I'd release them um over and over again. After about like 20 minutes or so, um there'd be this like shift that would happen. And I would notice this sort of like energetic quality in my experience. Like my body feels more alive. And at, at first, like this would be like, this would scare me off and I would become attached to it and notice, oh, what was that? And it'll go away. I'm like, okay, all right, let, let it come and it just let it be there. And after a few cycles of that, it was like, swell and expand this like feeling of like energetic joy would like swell out through my body uh, largely like in my head and my chest but also like sometimes like in my hands and on my mouth and it was just like so nice <laughs> like it's a, it's hard to explain like just how pleasant it is but it's it's a system oh, wow, this is great. Like, I don't, like, 
suddenly there's no thought of getting up and leaving the meditation. Like, like you just want to be there and rest in that. And this was, this would be like very energetic and exciting at first. And if I'm able, well, as I was able to sit with that feeling, it would simmer down a bit and to a more just like happiness, like it's the words are so difficult, but almost like you're like basking in the sun and you've got nowhere to be. And you're just so happy to be there in the present, which is something that I was just not used to before. <laughs> like it, it feels so rare to have a moment in life where like, you're not like expecting the next thing. You're not like anticipating something, ruminating. No, here in this time, my mind was just completely settled on the feeling of what is in that moment. And this is like a pure contentment, which is just so nice. It sounds um, really nice. Yeah. 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 Could you give us some sort of benchmark? Like uh, you, you said it's so nice. It's rare. For somebody who's maybe not familiar with these states, what's the degree of pleasantness that you associate with it? It's, it was like the joy and excitement of getting my dream job, getting that, that like huge opportunity that I've been like working to for years and so excited about, but always felt out of reach. Yeah. The of that moment, that just overwhelming, like happiness, joy, excitement. It was that, but it was like stable. <laughs> was, yeah. Because it's easy to like be overwhelmed by that and then start like thinking about logistics and things like that. What comes after this? But it was, there was like this calm quality to it while maintaining that like super high level of like pleasant pleasure, like joy. Yeah. yeah. That's a really well, interesting example. I, I once heard somebody say, the feeling of getting into a, a prestigious university turns out to be something that you can have at any time in any place <laughs> indefinitely. And I think that is similar to the dream job. I think that's a really interesting example because it's not the first thing that people think of. It's not the first thing that comes to their mind when they think of like really high pleasure. They think of like sex or drugs or rock and roll, like, <laughs> like, yeah. like some sort of like something with a bit more of an indulgent quality. But you're picking you and but you pick something that was like your example, your thought experiment would be like years in the banking. Yeah. The yeah, something that like we put like yeah. far away from us. It's like this like high attainment was. So it was just, it was just so fascinating to feel that level, um, just like there within me, just waiting to be found. Yeah. It was a yeah. shocker. <laughs> That, that, it sounds, it sounds shocking. Yeah. <laughs> That's really cool. And like I have narratives about like how much is between us and like feeling that great. Like it should require like a lot of work and effort and maybe some luck. And like, we, we want to put ourselves to like put separation between us and like the experiences we want to have. Uh-huh. There's part of the shock value is that it doesn't seem like it should be that available without such effort or such work. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's, I've, I recently have read separately about how 
there's often a narrative that like big payouts must come with lots of effort or lots of work. And in this mm -hmm. context, it was more of a professional context, like selecting the right opportunity carefully will break that paradigm because the right paradigm, the right opportunity may yield a big payout without a lot of work. But I think it, may, it makes a lot of sense in this personal context too. It turns out that sort of how you right size your internal landscape and your relationship with your own thoughts may also yield a massive payout without the years or more mm -hmm. of work and effort and toil required to, to get yourself to that kind of place. That's neat. Is there anything that, anything else that really struck you about this experience that you might share with a, a younger you or a, someone who's not that familiar with these states to either on the one hand, I think we'll get in and break down how it is you learned and, and what it is that you did to crack into these, but just give people a sense for what this is and why it might be valuable. Yeah. Let's see. One of the things that I felt at the end of the retreat was I would not have been able to explain this to the me that entered this retreat. Like knowing what I know now, it, it's almost like difficult to relate to because of just how profound and surprising it was and how it very much shifted my worldview in a way that it, I didn't see coming. And what I mean by that is I feel that it's completely life-changing to have the direct realization that we being comes from within. Um, to know that there's like this like infinite resource within me that is like accessible without like external conditions it is just crazy like you, you can't unsee mm. that yeah and, and knowing that has brought confidence to my approach to life that was like unfamiliar before and unless maybe far in my past before traumas I had a different approach on life but that's been much grayed out and kind of covered over so oh. I sort of wiped that away and thought wow, yeah, there is so much to life and things will be hard, but at the end of the day, things get better by approaching what's hard. And mm. I understand now that the way through th difficult things is through them. And Now I see that I have an ability to approach what's difficult for me on my terms, like almost as if I'm like performing therapy on myself, which is like, like I think we might always like hope that like meditation might do something like this, but this experience like made that very real for me. And that's something that like, I find extremely valuable and didn't quite expect going into this that it might be like feel like that as as explicitly as it did yeah wow so cool and, and so much there i feel like there's a few things i want to unpack so one is yeah. the change in worldview another is explicitly that the way to tackle hard things is through them which i think is a little bit of a surprising comment to conclude after having spent a few hours in your own head <laughs> so there, there, it seems to me like some sort of specific insight there. And then three, this notion of how this ties to therapy, if so, if and how. 
let's start with the worldview. The say say yeah say a few more sentences about your is it that like you imagine yourself 10x bolder or 2x happier or making different decisions in some way what is it that's really changed and about this worldview yeah i think there's certainly a multiplication on happy quantifying it is challenging yeah. <laughs> but there is definitely an effect of whatever happiness is there i'm able to well, just experience way more fully. There's also no effect of, there's so much less fear mm. within me. Because a big part of my journey, <laughs> my retreat journey was um, getting a clock closer to the difficult things. And the experience coming out of that every time was that wow, I feel so much lighter after doing that. Mm. For once, instead of avoiding whatever it is that I was fearful of, getting right up into it showed me time and time again that, yeah, that might be difficult, but when you actually get down to whatever it is that's there, it disappears and your view towards it changes. And taking that insight into the rest of my life shows me that it's actually the fear that's causing the problems and mm. not whatever it is that I'm actually fearful of. And so that's what's taken the screen away because I think it's easy to see life as like all of these like problems and things I have to do and things I'm worried about and everything. But knowing that whatever is there, I can go up there, I can get close to it and transform my relationship with it allows me to live with less fear and make dif different decisions in my day-to-day -day. and ones that create less fear as well because the more you resist something the stronger it becomes yeah so yeah. instead of feeling like everything gets worse i can feel like that i actually have a tool to make things better and that's been pretty profound that that sounds profound this phrase that you just used get up close and change your relationship to it what does that mean yeah it's the way that I see things when I'm meditating is that I need to, things will come up that will keep me from focusing on what I'm setting out to, to bring my attention to. And whatever those things are, like they might be like actual pain or they might be like a memory or something difficult. Those things need to be understood, accepted, and loved because ultimately they're a part of me. And if there's a part of me that I'm resisting and pushing away, that creates internal conflict. It'll make the meditation worse, but it also, well, it makes my mind state worse because I'm not able to find resolution internally. And we, we can talk about that more later, but basically it means when I want to distinguish like what happens in like a, a normal meditation and what I might happen if I decide that I have something that I like really want to work through explicitly in like a mm -hmm. more like therapy. Yep. Um, there's like the light version of meditation. And then there's like the more deep intentional version. 
that's like more akin to like self-therapy. Yeah, th this is great. I, I was just actually starting to think about these two, two different experiences myself and, and want to hear a little bit more. Why don't you, I would love to get the, the light version, as you say, the sort of deep intentional and maybe more therapeutic version, and then how jhanas tie into these two things. Yeah. Yeah. So the light version is <clears throat> treating any hindrance, distraction, pain, thought, memory, whatever it's coming up during the meditation, treating that as a part of you that is not agreeing with meditating right now, that needs some love. It's it's a part of you that's upset about something. Uh, it wants something or it wants to push away something, resisting something. And if the natural reaction to that during meditation would be like, oh, that's a distraction. I should be meditating, bring my attention back to what I am. But the way I see it more is that actually that's a part of you that's not feeling served right now. And the best thing that you can do is appreciate that you notice it like, oh, thank you for coming and making yourself aware instead of lingering in the subconscious. I, I, I seek to appreciate that it showed up and that I also seek to understand that it's a part of me that finds something important and is ultimately trying to serve me in some way that it feels is important. And so it, that it needs to be understood that it's doing something important and it needs to be loved. So welcoming it in, appreciating it. Okay, I, I understand that. Yeah, you are hungry right now and food is important and you don't want us to starve. That's great. I, I love you for that. <laughs> but right now, and then I'm just going to let you hang out here in my awareness and I'm going to come back to the feeling of loving kindness. And I find that a, re a really effective way to let those hindrances and distractions peter out and just fall into the background and not grab awareness all the time. So that's like the light version. Yeah. So the um, light version, you're a lot of what you're doing. I know certainly what we did on retreat is you've got this meditation object of loving kindness. And then this, what I'm hearing from you is this, you're doing this move over and over again, where every time you're distracted, you're taking just a minute or just a moment really with that distraction and extending it some loving kindness, like extending the distraction itself, some loving kindness and that part of you that might have been distracted um, yeah. before returning to the meditation object. Yeah. I see. And that, that, that makes a ton of sense to me and strikes me as, as such a like essential move to learning to navigate into the jhanas. And I suspect, I'm curious to hear what you'll say next about the deeper states. It also strikes me as something that's probably pretty opposite what a lot of us do when we sit down to meditate, especially early in our meditation journey. Mm -hmm. It's probably a bit more likely that we're drill sergeants with ourselves. Damn it, I got distracted again. Get back here, like focus on the breath. And here you're doing almost exactly the opposite. Uh, cool. Okay. Oh, yes. Thanks for coming. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. My, my distraction. You're hungry. Oh, thank you for being hungry. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So how does this tie then to Ajana's and to this sort of deeper, more intentional version of meditation that you mentioned? Yeah. The jhanas are like the... What do I want to say here? When I have something like deep that like I want to work through, I'll often use like 
access to the jhanas, like getting to a jhana state as like the foundation, the platform for more volitionally thinking, bringing up something that's difficult and that I want to work through. So I'll bring myself to a jhana or at least to a collected state, maybe like slightly before it, if it's, if that's not working out at that time. But then what I'll do is I will bring out whatever it might be that's that I want to work through. And I will, if there's, if it has a personification, which they often do, often they're people, something to do with like guilt or shame or regret or something like that, I will, I'll summon them in my mind's eye, like I'll visualize them and I will talk to them and be it another person, or it might actually be a representation of me that is at the root of some issue that I want to work through. Like the part of me that is anxious about the situation or something like that. So what I mean to say is I bring up the entity, the part of me, either about me or a representation of some other, and I will begin conversing with them, seeking to, one, accept them as they are, two, to understand whatever it is that is problematic. I understand that you're anxious about this thing because of all of these reasons. That makes a lot of sense. And, um, and I'll, I love you for seeking to protect me from whatever it is. Often there's like an understanding that this anxious pattern formed out of a context in the past. Things happened that were really bad and they felt really bad. So this part of me is going to work really hard to identify the conditions that lead to that and fire the alarms when that happens. So like seeking to understand that pattern in a relationship. They're like, oh yeah, that was really bad. We don't want that. Thank you for looking out for us. Now, after seeking to understand it, then the, the next move is to bring awareness to the situation, which I mean to say is, here's what I need you to understand about the situation as it is now. You might have been doing this because of something that happened in the past, but actually the, the conditions are different now and we understand something new that you're not accounting for in your in your algorithm maybe it's that well actually we know a better way to address this situation or we we might see that reacting anxiously might actually cause problems and that really what i want you to do in the situation is bring some awareness to what's happening some presence and try to notice something instead of anxiously spiraling and protecting basically after seeking to understand the behavior trying to tell the behavior what I want it to understand. So this is what I mean in terms of like self-therapy is first accepting and understanding what's there and then having a dialogue with it after bring coming to a mutual understanding and making explicit what you want to change and then showing it love. Wow. That is really neat. Uh, and very clear. And, uh, and so it sounds right. I walked over my words. Um. <laughs> <laughs> and it sounds to me like 
so a few a few big differences between this like kind of deeper version of meditation and this just follow the loving kindness and, and address distractions that come up. The first is that you're proactively pulling up memories or like looking for some experiences in your mind's eye to to work through. Sure. Um, and then the second is that uh, it's like a more extended engagement with the things that come up. They're particularly charged or challenging memories or dynamics that are playing out on an ongoing basis with a loved one or something. And then you have your three parts, your acceptance, your understanding, and then your dialogue, your exchange. I think I read somewhere the value of negotiating with your own feelings. Um, mm. in some ways there's like yeah. negotiation has this sort of adversarial connotation to it. But here in this case, after you've like accepted and understood, you're reappraising. There's here, here's how we might navigate this from a different lens in the future. Yeah, showing, okay, I understand why you're doing what you're doing, but you need to understand how that actually causes us a lot of pain. And yeah, here's what we might do better. Instead of just being like, I don't like that you do that and pushing it away, which you know, just further alienates that part of you and makes it more difficult. It's seeking to do the opposite of that. Yeah. Yeah. And what you describe, I, I now understand why, yeah, I think it's, I think it's clear why you jumped into things like, used words of the hard or the way through thing the way through hard things is through it to change my relationship to it and also like this idea of therapy and self-therapy it does seem to overlap a lot with things i've heard about like parts work and a few different like somatic therapy modalities is this something that you had experience with prior to the retreat or is this these kind of novel or relatively novel ideas relatively novel i've I had heard of things like internal family systems, but I really didn't know anything about it. This, I don't know, it, it just came out during retreat as we talked about like the modular model of the mind, seeing like your yourself as like a collection of like parts that are like serving different goals. I had gone into the retreat already feeling like that. Uh, I was calling them like agents or sub-agents. Mm, you know, yeah. Different parts of you with different goals, but it soon as I became, as I was meditating and working on releasing, I was like, really, I'm just trying to get all the agents to agree on something. Mm. So how do I, how do I do that? And that sort of informed like both the meditation angle, as well as the, well, how do I work with a part of me to be more harmonious? Yeah. I didn't have any like formal experience in these modalities, uh, just thinking that uh, developed over time of the exposure to these things. Mm -hmm. And this kind of like introspective process, is this something that you do outside of meditation or only inside meditation? And why do it inside meditation as opposed to outside? I guess it brings up a, an interesting question of what is meditation? <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I guess it can be hard to draw the line uh, but I wouldn't say I only do it in meditation like there are times where I'm like reflecting and when some like emotionally charged moment where I'm not like sitting meditating but things happen and you end up in these places so I do it whenever it feels right but often I feel the most well equipped to do it during meditation because of, well, the more you can quiet the mind, 
the less the mind I, I find, the less the mind will distract me from what I'm trying to do. Like the mind can become like defensive and this can come up in a lot of different ways. Sometimes I'll try to do this and my mind will just keep distracting me. I'll try to get something difficult and it's like a black hole. Before I know it, I'm like off thinking about something completely different. It's like, how did I go from this intention to work through this thing and end up just continually being distracted away from it? And it feels like the mind is defending itself. Well, no, I don't want this painful thing to be accessed. So I find that meditating can really help get in there to get through that line of defense. If that mm. makes sense. I see. Yeah. There's some, so it's not just that it makes it like more, it, it, it eliminates distractions. And so therefore keeps you on task. It somehow makes it have a different flavor or different quality to it as well. Yeah. It, it very much seems to affect like how the thinking, how the process unfolds based on the state that you enter one other thing I want to say is, especially with some of the deeper jhana states, having that of emotional resource, that positive undercurrent, as well as this sort of unshakable emotional quality that happens and toward the formless, I, I do find that extremely helpful with the more traumatic, painful things. Being in those like deeper jhana states makes it a lot easier to pull up something really traumatic and not just be like emotionally overwhelmed by it. Yeah. That's so, that's such a common, that's such a common and I feel like kind of core experience here. I, I'd be curious, no need to uh, share anything that you wouldn't want to share, uh, but I'm curious to know if you have a concrete example of how the genre makes a difference and how you go through one of these navigating with one of these tougher challenges. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. The, the biggest example in my life is losing my best friend. He had committed suicide about seven, well, seven, seven years ago now. And my immediate reaction was just a, an emotional deadening. It was just so overwhelmingly painful that it, I just became like there were times of like pain, but especially around like the funeral and all, but like following that is just, I just iced over and it, I didn't even, there were many times where I just didn't even realize the effects to which this had happened and how it was affecting me. And even like going to therapy and stuff, there'd be times where it's just not feeling like I'm making any progress or accessing anything due to well i'm not sure <laughs> how useful to, to try to explain the mechanisms but the point is that it was like this was something that was like very hard to access for me um hmm. it would often just result in like pain and anxiety and avoidance hmm. um without even really being aware of it how to just go into this weird place so something would come up that would remind you of your friend, or you would try to address it explicitly in therapy. And mm -hmm. then you just end up like anxious and uncomfortable and not thinking about it. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Exactly. Like I couldn't just like, get my mind to get up there and just think about it. Interesting. There's too much because you know, there's this huge part of me that felt like guilty and like it was my fault. And wow. Um, 
wow. huge part of me that like you know didn't want to accept that it could have happened or that yeah. like, he, that like it wasn't something that I could have done anything about like it's just like that this could have even happened there was just these it's like it just violated these axioms in my reality that were just far too painful to ever update hmm. and whatever they did it was just yeah just like avoidance pain anxiety and something that was happening as i was accessing the jhanas during retreat was I found myself really drawn to listening to music. And in particular, I found myself drawn to listening to the music that I would listen to with him, mm. um, which we would, and this was like our, our emotional release. We would drive around in the car, like screaming system of a down and the day to remember and just being absolutely reckless teenagers, just <laughs> letting all of our feels out. <laughs> and for the first time in years I just wanted to go there again and I was just I just wasn't listening to that music at all for since that happened because it huh. it didn't do anything and it was too painful but here I, I, I wanted to and that was a cue for me that oh yeah like I need to go and like access this stuff now and so I would go down to meditate and I would get into a jhana and then I would pull him up in my memory and I would start talking with him and ask for forgiveness about the things that like, I felt so terrible about and to forgive him for the things that I was like, just couldn't let go of. Mm. And that was just something that was just like unfathomable to do outside of these states and like that place. Uh, yeah. Like it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was quite profound. Sounds profound. Found I found myself like, wanting to go back to these memories and places and think of him and share things with him in my memory, which are just... I don't know. I always understood that I could do things like that, but it just never felt real or possible. What do you think? What do you think unlocked that? What was it about the, what was different about these states? It's. There's just something about the that like equanimity that's brought about that like a true feeling of that everything is okay. That mm -hmm. to not feel real before. Like wow. Like something like the mind could always like doubt. Yeah. But, like, but like directly experiencing that feeling was just different. Um, so you're, you found yourself in a place where you just in the moment live wasn't something you were thinking, but it was something you were feeling. Everything's yeah. deeply okay. And yeah. from that place of okayness, 
for the first time in maybe seven years, you were finding yourself eager to turn to the memory of your closest friend and revisit and explore and maybe work through some of the things that had been left undone or unprocessed. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, Zach, uh, I admire your courage. That's uh, that, <laughs> that sounds brutal, man, <laughs> and and incredibly heartwarming and heartwarming and and uh, brutal with the happiest of endings. Yeah, yeah. And that's coming through all this. I can just say well, that's life, and wow. it's not like I wanted to do it anything different. I'm so grateful for all the experiences and memories we had. And I'm so grateful now that I can see it that way. Wow. Yeah. Knowing that all things end. <laughs> we're just in denial if we're not. But yeah, we have to keep going. There's <laughs> really only one thing to do. <laughs> yeah. Accept and feel the pain and then open your heart again. Yeah. yeah. Wow. It's so interesting. There's a way of saying everything that you just said. There's only one thing to do. Keep going. That can be like nihilistic. And yet, like the way in which you say it is clear that from like your body language and tone of voice that it's anything but there's like a levity and, and like a heart openingness to it. That's really neat. Yeah, it certainly has been neat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, neat seems like an understatement. <laughs> so I think I'd love to, for anybody listening, I think we, there's some sort of like context we need to paint, which is like, what are the jhanas to you? Sort of what do they feel like? It, and, so maybe your own words, like educate the novice here, the uninitiated to what these states are, what they feel like. And then I think that will provide some color as to like how you've used them to in such like really profound and meaningful ways. Yeah. Sorry, could you repeat the last part of that? What are the jhanas? What do they feel like? So that we can paint the context for why it makes sense that you've used them in the ways that you've used them. Right. Yeah. Yeah, what are the jhanas? <laughs> to me, they feel like states of harmony within the mind that are probably experienced by people in everyday life. With hmm. there's, I think there is a familiar a familiarity to these states. It's experienced as oh, huh. And I know what that's that I think is, I don't know, not, not talked a lot about a lot, enough, I think. Interesting. Um, but yeah, it's, the jhanas feel like you've brought your mind to a state of unification where there's just, there's no like, dissonance or like conflict within and the mind becomes coalesced around like different feelings and perceptions about the way things are that's probably as good of a definition as i'm going to get to hmm. so I'll, I'll talk more about what this feel like in, in my experience to me the first jhana is distinguished by uh, having this 
distinct feeling of aliveness. If you ever felt like totally present in your body, like maybe like you're playing a sport or something and you're like really in the moment, or if you're playing a piece of music and you've really lost your, I don't know, sense of, if you're playing music and you truly truly feel at one with the music, essentially I feel this like energetic quality with this like almost like joyfulness. Like it, it's very like there's like there might be like tingling sensations. I, I feel like the blood in my nerves like throughout my body, and like I'm perceiving like pulsating like a wave to them almost, and it has a really nice like sighted quality to it. It just makes me want to smile. <laughs> um, <laughs> that that definitely happens. It's a <laughs> I don't know, super pleasant joyful happy exciting um that was nice yeah it's great <laughs> for me this doesn't tend to last very long as as like this like happiness or excitement is like you like really marinate in that and just like really enjoy it it's that sort of enjoying that becomes like the dominant factor of the experience so that's more of just like this really sweet happiness. Cute. Like there's nowhere to go, nothing to be, nothing to do. You're just like really happy with things as they are. There's still like that like undercurrent of like joy and energetic quality if you go looking for it. It's still there, but mm -hmm. it's not in the foreground anymore the foreground is just happy um also sounds nice yeah it, it's quite blissful and some of the other qualities that happen in this state are distractions just aren't as distracting anymore your mind really wants to rest on this happiness it's not it's really not pulled away by other things and other things are still happening like mm -hmm. Your mind will still be making thoughts and there might be some of that pain in your back is still there and you're still aware of it but it's just not as important mm -hmm. it doesn't pull your attention away from this experience of happiness um, is that um, what you meant by perspectives earlier or is that different yeah that, that, that plays into it yeah yeah like you're the way you're seeing your mind's movements like it's not as grabby or something yeah, exactly. Yeah. You feel less like you you are your mind, and more like you are aware of your mind and body and all of that. <laughs> yeah, more about feeling like you are the awareness instead of you are the parts that comprise you. Oh, I like that. Same I never quite mind. thought of it that way. Yeah. <laughs> after time is spent here in this happy bliss, where does it go from there? Like, seems like a pretty good stopping point, right? Yeah. <laughs> but it, <laughs> <Great point. laughs> it, it continues to evolve. And into this, just my best way of describing it is content. Like you, you have everything you need. You've got all the happiness. It's there. It's in the background. But more than that, you're just so content and still tranquil 
there's no desire to get up and leave meditating. It's just you're there and you want to be. Your your mind is resting on this feeling and it wants to. It's I don't know, it's it's just like a more calm version of the previous state. I see. Um, and at this point, is it I don't know. I, I think sometimes it's counterintuitive that calm would be better than bliss. Hmm. And did you feel that way? Do you feel like you would have always wanted to go back to the bliss? Or was that like you were sated and you're like, I could go back to the bliss, but it's like I've had my fill. So I'd like to hang out here. Yeah, I, I, I totally had that like counterintuitive um, feeling toward them, like going into it. But coming out of it, yeah, like you, you do feel like you have enough. And I think that's what kind of defines it. So you've had your bliss and you're happy and well, you don't need any more. So now you are content. Mm. Um, you're not lacking yeah. something. Yeah. You have. So it's also yeah, to... after that, it made sense. Yeah. And when, to your point about familiarity earlier, it makes a lot of sense to me that euphoria would calm down into this is something I think I have conversations with people a lot. It would make a lot of sense to me that euphoria would calm down to the happiness, which could then calm down into like the sated contentment. Yeah, for sure. So this also seems like a good stopping point. Where to from here? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one, one, one other thing I'll say that happens around here is feeling of the body starts like fading. Like the sensations of the body are just less intense, especially ones with like pain. Yeah, they just start fading out. Like the hurts in your back is like really starting to not even be there. It's still there, but uh, much less present. But yeah, well, what's next? After this, that sense of still and calmness just goes way up. My best way of describing this is pure just tranquility. You just feel unshakable. And this is that state where I describe this as so much equanimity that I can go and deal with the hard things because like emotions just seem to lose their charge here. I don't know. It, it just feels like everything is totally okay. Nothing's good. Nothing's bad. It's just pure tranquility mm, yeah and it's, it's at yep. this point that the body really fades and it's like still there but it's just not you're not really sensing it anymore yeah um it's interesting hearing hearing you describe this i i like you have found this state to be so valuable and i'm putting myself in the head of the someone who hasn't been there before and i'm struck that Something like not, nothing is good, nothing is bad, or like emotions lose their charge. Doesn't sound like a great place. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I'm wondering if there's a way we can describe it that makes a bit more intuitive sense to folks who haven't been there before. Maybe I'm curious to know what you're thinking. One of the thoughts that comes to mind is like the feeling of safety. Like, mm. and when you were just feeling completely safe, or actually maybe like the feeling of power. Not like in a, like I'm holding it over you kind of way, but just I am, I'm, I'm at ease. I'm top dog here. There's no threat. 
that's going to yeah. there's in that sense like emotions lose their charge and yeah. um things feel perfectly okay it's not like i'm jumping up and down with joy it's that everything is okay nothing is like that good or that bad and yet oozing out of my bones could be this just sense of ease and safety yeah i really like that feeling of safety is definitely a positive connotation label that definitely describes how it feels as well as like a feeling of power and that everything's okay nothing's gonna shake me like i i know ultimately things are fine and there's this i don't know feelings of any undercurrent of like fear or doubt or unease or anything like that it's just not there this doesn't almost doesn't even make sense yeah maybe, maybe confidence like this is the confident side of power not the like stumping like self-indicating side of power yeah yeah yes confident assuredness assuredness that seems yeah. good yeah <laughs> okay so hopefully it is this is the trickiest one in my mind to explain to uh, someone who's never experienced before where it's like already yeah. it's hard to imagine like why would you go on from euphoria and bliss to something like contentment and i'm like no no like the peace the stillness it is <laughs> it is you have to kiss that it's so yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm glad you brought this up because as i was describing i'm like god it doesn't even sound great no. yeah what about alex who, who sometimes uses the word like emotionally dead how is that good <laughs> like, like it's really underselling it yeah great okay so i've, I've mapped I've, I've now got this mental map of having moved from the spectrum of the euphoria into the happiness, into the contentment, into the peace, stillness, the equanimity that you said. Share for us, uh, can you give us like A, I think a sense of magnitude? Like you mentioned earlier that these things are familiar, maybe people have some notion of these in their day to day. And yet the jhanas are often talked about as like profoundly altered states that would suggest they're not thing. And you were saying earlier, like it broke your worldview. So I'd love to reconcile this idea of familiarity on the one hand and breaking worldview on the other. And then two, I'd love to close the loop for how you use these states to, and why it makes sense to use these states to revisit this really trying time that you went through with your friend and his suicide and how you're so much lighter afterwards. Yeah. 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 How do we reconcile something being familiar, but also profoundly altered like to the point of changing my worldview <laughs> um, that's a lot to unpack i think it's the connection between these that is that what makes this so profound to me in that this experience doesn't feel like cultivating these states as much as finding something that's always been there hmm. like it feels i like, see oh, this was just within me the whole time and in fact i can find parts of this experience that shared qualities with moments in my past moments that were really special and to understand that oh those are special because i was accessing that part of me the part of me that comes about when I really get my mind out of the way mm. and that, oh, this is something I can invite to happen through my own will and through my 
knowing that my approach to my mind and what's coming about can actually bring me into these places. That is like what is so crazy to me. And this is what has shifted my worldview is that knowing that I can access this like profound well-being and that it's just within me. Wow. Um, that, yeah, that that is quite the reconciliation. The These sort of profound states have been hiding in plain sight the whole time and thus the broken worldview. Yeah. I feel a sense of confidence that I've been in these early states when uh, at concerts in the mosh pit, screaming my favorite music or <laughs> uh, performing a piece in an orchestra or of course all my examples are music <laughs> that's great music is a special place got it so i think then the the story is coming together for me we have these states that are really profound that you speak about on the order of something that so profound of an order of magnitude that seems like it should be years in the making like the release of getting your dream job after trying for years to do yeah. And yet they're the same quality of something that is familiar in day-to-day -day life. Or, or if not day-to-day -day life, like some of our peak experiences when we're in flow in the mosh pit or in flow with a piece of music or something. And finding just a completely imperturbable, fundamental okayness, peacefulness, and stillness in one of these states that you brought about by loving the different distractions and parts of you into ease um, makes for a powerful and maybe even a, like attractive and effortless platform to turn to tougher things, including yeah. in your case, one of the toughest things that has happened to you, maybe in a lifetime and something that you hadn't turned to in, in over seven years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Thanks for sharing Zach. That's, uh, I'm so delighted and heartwarmed that kind of really meaningful experience was possible on the retreat that we shared together. Uh, that's uh, that's really neat. Thank you for your part in making the retreat happen and allowing me this profound experience. I'm so grateful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I like you. Look at these states and am I will bring broken? <laughs> it's just like what <laughs> like, like such fundamental okayness and at easeness is available that seems it seems like something to dig into and to find ways to share a bit more broadly oh, that's terrific this has been awesome this has been a great but really fun to hear all that zach is there anything that you think we should close with Let me check my notes. <laughs> <laughs> There's two questions actually that that are top of mind for me. And maybe I know we're coming up on time here, but one of them is in the spirit of helping folks. So in, in many ways, we've been talking to the imaginary uninitiated. What are these states? Like, why are they valuable? There's another yeah. kind of a person who's, okay, I'm sold. I would like to explore this. What do I do? And so I'm curious to hear from you if you think that you have any special tips or one way of coming up with special tips is if you had to guess, what do you think is something you did differently than the next 20 people who are attempting to do these things in the spirit of positive deviance? And then separately, I think maybe a little bit about your specific backgrounds. I know you're an engineer and a musician, but we can talk a little bit about that too. 
Yeah, I'm glad you asked. I said that does touch on what I wanted to talk about. I think, so I feel that I'm a bit unique in my experience because I didn't really, I haven't been meditating for very long at all. Um, I only got like interested in meditation and it's around March or April of this year uh, when my, when I was like reading like papers about the neuroscience and getting really excited about, oh, look at all these effects on like stress and being and happiness and cool. look at the reduction of fear. And I'm like, oh, this is meditation is really great. I better get into this. And my partner, Tino, is really interested too. And she, so she started like feeding a little bits and things she finds to me on Twitter. And I, I credit her, like she showed me like, oh, have you heard about these jhanas? <laughs> what is that? <laughs> so I look into it, I'm like, this sounds crazy and absolutely fascinating. And I want to try. But I had also got all this information about all this like warnings and skepticism and conflicting views. Oh, the oh, jhanas boy. are advanced states that are only accessible to like long time meditators it takes yeah. huge concentration and also it's a distraction from the path to enlightenment and you really shouldn't bother you're just going to end up a jhana junkie and it's, just, <laughs> it's yep. really discouraging it's just, man, here i am excited about something wanted to do it and then all these people that supposedly know better are like against us and i don't understand why hmm. um, and so I was like, I'm a novice. I don't even have a hundred hours of meditation under my belt. Like, what am I doing? But part of me really wanted to believe that it was possible to get there like way sooner than people might believe with the right approach. Um, yeah. And so I, when Tina tipped me off to the Jana stuff and the Berbea retreat available free online, I was like, this is really cool. Like I want to, I started like listening to them and trying and, these are recorded Berbea lectures on the Johns. Yeah, they're, they're yeah. recorded Berbea lectures available freely online. I think Hermes Amara Foundation, you can find them with transcripts. They're great. Yeah, fantastic resource. Hey, so I started listening to them and started trying some of them. And I got this like, during one of the meditations, it was going well. And I got this like tingling feeling in my lip. I'm like, whoa, what the hell? The <laughs> that's what he's talking about that's, that's what this guy says will happen there's <laughs> huh, something real here <laughs> so that got me really excited but it didn't go that far but then with totally serendipitous timing you know oh this company that's trying to teach people the jhanas is doing this retreat and i'm like oh my god i have to do this <laughs> wow. so only having meditated for a few months i'm like i have i'm gonna do this and i'm so glad i followed this like excitement about it and yeah. like feeling yeah. that it wasn't like inaccessible because i think i really could have just screwed myself <laughs> yeah so what i want to say to people is they're not as hard to access as you might have been made to believe another thing i want to say about um Like what will be helpful is paradoxically. Actually, no. The first one I want to say is the practice being enjoyable is extremely important. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. It should be nice to sit and meditate. And during your meditation, you should be noticing whatever qualities that are there that are pleasant and enjoying them. I think many people meditate in a quite austere fashion, thinking that it's hard and that they're training, like they're going to lift weights to get stronger and that it's going to be painful, but it'll they'll be better for it. Yeah, and so true. I, think I don't agree with that perspective. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to that end, this keys in nicely with my view about distractions and mm-hmm. uh, I welcome them because I want to reward my mind for being aware of things. And I also want to make my mind feel that part of me is cared for so that it is able to quiet down. I love um, that. And I think that really helped my progress to reward my mind for bringing me distractions and bringing loving acceptance to what the distractions are. I um, love that. That is such a, I, that's such a contrarian take. And I think it's exactly in, in contrarian takes that you will see contrarian results. And then you can explore whether or not they are desirable results. And in this case, it seems like it's been really profound. I would have been ecstatic if I could have reached like J1 or J2 during the retreat. And then I ended up at J5. And I was yeah. just like, what? <laughs> yeah. So you <laughs> had unbelievable. less. Yeah, I'm sorry. Say that again. That was totally unbelievable to me. Totally unbelievable. And so you ended up with, you you came into the retreat with less than 100 hours of total meditation practice and ended up going through the first five jhanas. And what was, and, and what, what did your meditation practice look like before this? Were you mostly using Headspace? Was it 10 minutes a day? Was it 20 minutes a day? What did that look like? It was a whole smattering of things. Like at first it started with, there's a poster on the street saying free meditation classes. So I, I went and ended up being like a spiritual community, like centered around guru teaching, like how to meditate. And also some of those like specific, like uh, devotional spirituality things related to the group. Mm. Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah. So, like I started with that and that was a lot of like open eye meditation, almost like fire casino, um, like on a huh. candle, yep. watching a visual field blow out. Um, yeah. As I did. There was and also so, some. Are you doing that like an hour a day or like an hour a week? That was like when I was consistent, like 20, 20 minutes, maybe 30 minutes a day. Okay. That was like quite consistent. Um, yeah. And that was for a few weeks or a few months? That was like for a few months, but there would definitely be periods where I just drop off for a few weeks. Um, sure. Sure. But that started in April or May this year. So that took you to the summer, through the summer, maybe. Yeah. And you had- There's also like the Berbea lectures. I was doing yep. like- one of his practices counting within the breath where you like breathe in and count up to nine and then breathe down back to one as you exhale. Yeah. Um, I, would, I would do some of that. There's also like another random practice I did, which was actually pranayama, which is like spinal breathing. You um, shift your attention along your spine as you inhale up and then like exhale down. Later learned that that's a practice that's like adjacent to meditation but not quite the same thing and like really is like a good compliment but really what i'm trying to say is i tried a lot of different things and couldn't align on anything and i, I was quite inconsistent. and you were quite what? quite inconsistent inconsistent okay because yeah. i couldn't i didn't have any clarity i didn't know what i should be doing i was very confused about this whole meditation space because there's all of these different practices and all of these 
different things and different goals and qualities you're cultivating. And I just, I found it very frustrating because yeah. I didn't know you. Yeah. And I, I, I wish I had something like this at the time, because then I could have just started with a practice like this back then and made more progress. Oh, I also found the mind illuminated by Chuladasa and was like working with that for a little while. Found that very oh. helpful. I found a lot of overlap there. Yeah. But yeah, I was, what I was hoping for the retreat was like, can I find a practice that I like feel good about and I understand and I want to stick with? Yep. Got it. So I had this, I, I now have this like timeline in my head of, of you going through a number of different things, doing 20 to 30 minutes a day, sometimes diligently for weeks at a time, sometimes falling off for weeks at a time, but you ended up with less than a hundred total hours and had really been only at it for I guess that would have been six months, less, maybe a little less than six months when you joined us on retreat in September, where it was your first meditation retreat. And you went from 20 to 30 minutes a day to, I'm guessing, six to 10 hours a day, depending on the day. Yeah. And, ex and experienced the first five jhanas. Yeah. I don't think it was ever 10 hours. It was probably six or seven. Okay. But yeah. Okay. Great. <laughs> yeah. Don't let me get ahead of ourselves here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but, but going from 20 to 30 minutes a day to a willing and, and even excited six to seven hours, I think is also something that strikes people as shocking. But so much happens when you're finding techniques that are resonating with you. Yeah. 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 I was definitely intimidated by that, but then it, that very quickly dispelled as I like sunk into the practice and saw the benefits that I was getting. Um, yeah, so that's great. And so then to recap some of your thoughts for... Uh, novices. Number one is that the jhanas are a lot easier than many people think in your experience. Number two is it's so valuable and important to enjoy and lean into the pleasantness of, the, of your practice. Number three maybe is this like explicit learn to love your distractions and those parts of you, like even maybe even look forward to them because that will bring your awareness to a new part of the experience and something that you can extend that little, that generosity towards. Is there anything else that you would leave with a novice? The jhanas are a path. They're not some mm -hmm. distraction on the side. You can make this your practice and make progress and go yeah. to the top. At least that's what I hear. <laughs> yep. And I've yet to personally experience that, but I, it's left me with the confidence of that. Um, uh -huh. Going into these deep places of consciousness and like having insights. Um, cool. Very cool. And then let's, let's close with, I'd love to get a, a brief overview of your background. I know that you're an engineer and a musician. Tell us a little bit about your professional background, some of your like deep personal interests, and maybe how this blended into your first interest in, in meditation, if at all. Yeah. Let's see. I was born and raised in Maine, grew up spending a lot of time in my family business, which is a an ice cream shop and a mini golf course. Uh, <laughs> I love that. That's cool. I was around a lot of happy people. But... <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I, yeah. I... What do I want to say? I spent a lot of time like reading growing up. My, very, <laughs> my nose was like, buried in comic books for like <laughs> my childhood proceeded to spend my entire like life on the internet with like video games and just buried on wikipedia i was just always just following my interests be it in 
music, games, comics. Naturally found myself like drawn to like computer science as like mm -hmm. I, you know, spent all my time on a computer and like feeling like the empowerment of being able to create things was like really tantalizing to me to feel like I have this like open slate and that I can create whatever I can imagine. Yeah. Um, figure out how to do it. That I was immediately drawn to that. So when I studied, studied computer science at RIT in upstate New York, Rochester, their co-op program is awesome because it allows you to have like experience, like working at different companies, like around the world before you graduate. So I used that to do a bunch of travel, got to work in Japan, which is great. And like out in Seattle. What am I missing along the way here? I know you fell in love with music at some point. Yeah, that started very early on. I was, there was like this little like seminar thing at the elementary school, like targeting third graders. And I'm like, for some reason, I'm like, I want to play violin. <laughs> so my mom and grandmother are like, yeah, do it. <laughs> um, so I, yeah, started playing from a quite young age. Um, always like in an orchestra and doing like private lessons. Um, but yeah, I, that, that really instilled like a love of music in me. And my brother always loved music. So I always got like a lot of inspiration from him. And I just always loved just throwing an album on and going through like a journey. And I think surrendering yourself to the experience of music in many ways reminds me of like the experience of meditation. Mm -hmm. um, you're totally just like giving yourself to the moment and letting your mind quiet. That to me uh, strikes as a very close relationship. I, I have to say that I, I, I lied about starting meditating six months ago in that I did karate lessons as a child. And the, the way we would start our classes was counting our breaths to six. Um, <laughs> I just found this impossible. <laughs> like I just could not make it to six ever. Um, it's amazing how that's the case. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just, yeah. This is unreal how difficult it was. I'm like, I guess that's not for me. Yeah. But I would, if I was ever like anxious before a performance or a test or interview or something, I would do that technique of counting my breath to six because I found it helpful. And mm -hmm. I think that plants see that there's something there. Yeah. Um, that should be understood. That's cool. So, yeah, lots of concerts and shows growing up really loving those complete surrender experiences uh, like you're at like a hardcore punk show and fists are flying and the crowd is moving and like pushing into a wave and you're like i i just always loved those complete experiences where my mind was just completely off yeah um, yeah it's telling how some of these phrases are like yeah mind is off he's out of his mind yeah he's in the zone he's in his body yeah these kinds of flow states it's it, like the, the trailhead is buried in our language and how we talk about it but it's also very easy to miss that like mm -hmm. feeling tones in some ways like precede thoughts and the game of meditation is played in that space not in the other yeah for sure it speaking of flow states reminds me of like when i get really into coding and just the thinking doesn't work as it normally does in that realm. Uh -huh. It becomes like more abstract. And I don't know, it, the qualities remind me of those states. Yeah. Yep. 
the the flow encoding makes a ton of sense. Yeah, this is great. And then just to, so just to round it out, you studied computer science and were a longtime musician at RIT and have largely been a software engineer since. Is that right? Yeah, coming out of college, I had done three internships with Google by that point. So they took me on as full time mm-hmm. in New York City. Largely, my like professional experience has been with Android development, but I had spread out to a generalist in that time. Yep. Now I do full stack development. I ended up taking a, a stint at a startup, Spare Labs out in Vancouver, BC. They do they do a micro transit, which is like a software platform to enable cities, organizations, companies to build their own like versions of Uber or Lyft or like a small like bus service or things like that. Cool. Very cool. Uh, that, that was really fun. But then ended up down back at the States or back at Google, which is where I'm at now. In Seattle. Oh, I see. Yeah. 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 Back at Google. That's a great place to be as an engineer. Yeah. Oh. Awesome. Zach, this has been super fun. Thanks for sharing all this. And um, having me. Yeah, looking forward to continuing to chat about your meditation journey in the in the months to come. Yeah, sounds great. Cool.